0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. We're going to celebrate some good news today. I'm not going to tell you what it is right off the bat, but you're going to be excited about it. And it's not the traditional good news that you've come to expect from these podcasts. I've been talking to you about the world's doctrinal system of darkness, and I'm going to tell you something about that today that is going to blow your mind. I didn't realize it until I just <laughs> I just learned about it this week. All right. Last week, we looked at one verse that the Apostle Paul wrote to his young understudy, Timothy, who was leading the church at Ephesus at a very young age, and he was kind of giving him some advice. And he said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, broadcast the good news all the time. Well, what actually is the good news that we broadcast? Now, this is not the good news we're going to celebrate, but it's important to know this. Mike Popovich, my friend who many of you also listen to, likes to keep things simple. He's a graduate of the Air Force Academy. He's an aeronautical engineer. But when it comes to spiritual things and other things, he likes to keep it really simple. And he says, here's what I tell folks these days. God is love, and he's always loved you and always been in you. That's it. That's (laughs) that's the good news. That's really all you need to know. And I agree with him, but I get paid by the word. Not really. But I've added just a little bit to that. Here's what I like to share with people today. And I'm going to tell you as we go along who it's good to share these things with. I mean, it's good to share it with everybody, but where we have the most impact. Here are the basics for me. What I start when somebody asks me, what do I believe? I say, well, God is not like you may have thought or been taught. It's all good news. God is totally good, pure goodness. Anything you hear about God that's not good is Simply not true. God has always loved you, loves you now, and will always love you. God's love is unconditional, no limits or conditions. You've never been separated from God. God has always been in you. You never had to be, quote, saved, unquote. Jesus, quote, saved you from being afraid that you weren't saved or had to do the right thing to get saved. God is pure light with no trace of darkness. Anything dark that you hear about God is not true. God's grace made you forever right with God before you were born. That's true no matter what you think, believe, or do. It's amazing grace. God is always for you. God is always working out all things, even your screw-ups, for good. That's it. That's what we broadcast. took me maybe three minutes to say that, maybe a little bit less. And then we have the opportunity, after we broadcast that good news to people, to say, is there you have any questions any of those things that you might want to talk about again that comes from second timothy 4 verse 2 broadcast this good news on every occasion all right of course we want our friends to and our relatives whoever to know that good news and to be set free from the world's doctrinal system of darkness and we need to be aware of what their response may be so I want to go on with 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Here are some things that our friends and relatives, especially religious folks, what their response may be. And Paul's telling Timothy this, kind of preparing him. He said, there will be times when people will not relate to their inner resonance. In other words, when we tell those truths that I just told you to people, the Holy Spirit in them is going to resonate with those truths. But Paul says there'll be times when people won't relate to their inner resonance when it comes to discerning sound instruction or other versions say sound doctrine. Instead, they would prefer the familiar language of the fallen mindset and desperately chase after titles and teachers who entertain rather than educate. They would accumulate for themselves libraries of information without any revelation. I used to have volumes of books about doctrines, libraries of information without any revelation. He goes on to say, our minds are redeemed to engage with the resonance of our inner witness. When we hear these things that are true, the Holy Spirit inside of us resonates to our inner witness. And we know we are co-seated together with Christ in the heavenly places, which is contrasted with a mindset engaged with the fallen soul realm below. Fallen soul realm. I'm going to come back to that. And Paul is saying to Timothy, now, when you tell this good news to people, in their pursuit of the doctrines of men, they will exchange the truth for man made fictions and fables as their source of reference. That's the doctrinal system of darkness. Now, when we Share the good news with people who've been ensconced in the doctrinal systems of darkness. Where I was for the first 63, 4 years of my life, it's very hard for people to, even when it resonates that it's true in them, it's very hard for them to let go of that doctrinal system of darkness. So knowing that religious folks are going to be resistant, what then? All right. Colossians 2, verse 10, and I'm getting into some things that are going to blow your mind here. Paul writes this, we are complete in Jesus. Now, that's true of you and me and everybody else who's ever been on the face of the earth. We are complete in Jesus. You ever hear a sermon on that in church? Ever been told in a religious setting that you're complete (laughs) in Christ? He goes on to say, Jesus mirrors our wholeness and endorses our true identity. He is I am in us. God packaged completeness in I am mirrored in you. Paul goes on to say, the days are over when our lives were dictated to under the rule of the law of performance and an inferior identity. Now, that's what the world's doctrinal system of darkness is all about. The rule of the law of performance and inferior identity. Now, here's something I found this week that blew my mind, and it's going to blow yours too. I'm sure you've heard of the doctrine of original sin. You may not have heard it called that, but you have heard, and if you've been in church, you grew up, knowing that everybody was born in sin. We were born with a sin nature. It's called the doctrine of original sin. Here's what blew my mind when I found out this week. And I got this from some teaching by Kay Fairchild, great teacher, and I didn't just take her word for it. I looked it up, I researched it, and I studied it. Do you know where the doctrine of original sin came from the fact that we were born in sin all of us you know where that doctrine came from it came from one man named augustine who was the bishop at a place called hippo he lived in the 300s and the 400s and he died in 430 ad he lived in the 4th and 5th centuries after Jesus came to earth. He was a bishop in the Roman Catholic Church. He came up with the doctrine of original sin in the fifth century. Now, do you know what that means? That means in the entire Old Testament time, and of course this is true in Old Testament scripture, in the entire Old Testament time, There was no doctrine of original sin. They didn't believe that. It wasn't a doctrine. It wasn't even a concept. In Jesus' lifetime and in the lifetime of the first church, for the first almost 400 years of the Christian church, there was no doctrine, no belief in original sin. That did not exist until the fifth century. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's another doctrine that I've taught you about before that Augustine came up with. Again, a bishop in the Catholic Church lived from 360-something to 430. Here's another doctrine he came up with that we've just found out about fairly recently because it's been hidden until now but we have documents that prove it now he came up with the doctrine of reserve i taught you that before he knew there was no hell and there was no eternal conscious torment he knew that and the other early church leaders all knew that too but he came up with that doctrine the doctrine of reserve is we're going to tell people there is a place of eternal conscious torment where God, an angry God, will punish you forever if you sin, if you don't get things right, if you don't repent and actually pay the church penance and even more penance, repentance for your sins. Now, he did that, we don't know for sure. We believe he did that partly out of a good motive wanting to have something that he could use in his teaching and preaching and that the whole church could use to force people to behave well out of fear. He also did it, we know, in part to raise money for the church to pay his salary, others' salaries, and build big cathedrals and to build up the massive amount of wealth that the Catholic Church still has to this day. They called it the doctrine of reserve because only the elite priestly class— They were literate, but most hardly anybody else was literate. They would hold the truth in reserve, and they wouldn't tell the mass of the people. And even did their sermons and things in Latin, in large part, to keep people from understanding what the real truth was. That continued until my lifetime, until just a couple of decades ago. Now, of course, they knew the truth. Well, after some decades or a couple of centuries, nobody was still alive who knew that truth. It was hidden. It was kept in church documents. So after a couple of hundred years after Augustine, the rank and file priests and bishops and cardinals, pope, whoever, they didn't know about the doctrine of reserve. They had all been taught it was true. It was real. So those are two awful doctrines, the world's doctrinal system of darkness that came from Augustine. Now, Augustine got some other things right, but those two things he really, really butchered. So just want you to know today that when we tell the good news to people, most of them are going to believe in the doctrine of eternal conscious torment. Most religious people are. And most of them are going to believe in the doctrine of original sin. Neither are true. They're part of the world's doctrinal system of darkness. All right. Paul goes on to say, I'm going to repeat that last sentence. The days are over where our lives were dictated to, under the rule of the law of performance and an inferior identity. It's not about who I used to be or who I'm striving to become. We are celebrating I am in us. We're celebrating today. Any teaching, Paul says, that leaves one with a sense of lack and imperfection rather than completeness is a distraction from the truth. Jesus is the author and finisher of faith's capacity within us to mirror and celebrate completeness. We can tell people, hey, you are complete. You're com- as far as God's concerned, you are complete. He goes on to say, you were in Christ when he died, which means that his death is your true circumcision. This is not hypothetical. This is the real deal. Thus, sin's authority in the human body was stripped of its control over you. Sin has no control over you unless you choose to give it control. In the same parallel, your co-circumcision in his death, your co-burial and joint resurrection is now demonstrated in baptism. Baptism doesn't get you saved. It demonstrates who you already are and that you've come to understand that. Your co-inclusion in Christ is what God's faith knew when he powerfully raised Jesus from the dead. You were once spiritually dead, as confirmed in your constant failure of being bound to a lifestyle ruled by the distorted desires of the flesh. But now God made you alive together with Him and thus graciously restored our innocence and dignity, having forgiven us all of our shortcomings. We talk about the grace restoration theme that we're part of. God made you alive together with Christ and thus graciously, by His grace, restored your mindset, so that you know you are innocent and you have infinite divine dignity. And you know that God has forgiven you every shortfalling. Wow. Jesus' body nailed to the cross, verse 14, hung there as a document of mankind's gift. In dying our death, he canceled the detailed handwritten record which testified against us. That's the law. That's the Ten Commandments the 630 some commandments of Moses and the 2000 extra commandments that the Pharisees brought about in the world's doctrinal system of darkness. It's all canceled and blotted out. Every stain on our conscience, reminding us of the sense of failure and guilt was fully blotted out. All right, in verse 15, in Christ dying mankind's death, He diffused every possible claim of accusation against the human race and thus made a public spectacle of every rule and authority in God's brilliant triumph demonstrated in him. The voice of the cross will never be silenced. The translator there, Francois Dutoy, says the horror of the cross is now the eternal trophy of God's triumph over sin. The cross stripped religion of its authority to manipulate mankind with guilt every accusation lost its leverage to blackmail, to blackmail the human race with condemnation and shame, which comes, of course, from the world's doctrinal system of darkness. In 1 Corinthians 2, seven to eight, he says, "'We voice words of wisdom that was hidden in silence "'for timeless ages.'" a mystery unfolding God's masterful plan whereby he would redeem his glory in mankind. Neither the politicians nor the theologians of the day had a clue about this mystery of mankind's association in Christ. If they did, they would never have crucified the Lord whose death redeemed our glory. Back to verse 16 in Colossians 2. Do not let anyone, therefore, no religious institution, church, religious organization, group of people Family, friends, do not let anyone bring a restriction to your freedom by reviving religious rules and regulations pertaining to eating and drinking and Jewish festivals and new men, a Sabbath. All of those have come to an end in Christ. Their relevance only served to remind of the promise of Christ on an annual, monthly, and weekly basis. They carried the promise like a placenta would hold the unborn child, but it became obsolete as soon as the child was born. Those things were only prophetic shadows. Christ is the substance, verse 18. A religious mentality of voluntary humility and obsession with pious observances of celestial beings will bring you no further reward. So don't let anyone who tries to act as an umpire of your devotion insist on his own opinion, confined to a mind inflated by the sensational and spooky. His so-called visions are just a puff of hot air. In his judgment, he fails to correctly interpret the legal implication of the cross. The message translated this way, don't tolerate people who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrape in order to improve your standing before God, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and visions, that they are a lot of hot air, that's all they are. All right, three or four more verses. Verse 19, Colossians 2. Such religious jargon, the doctrinal system of the world's darkness. Such religious jargon is completely out of rhythm with the head, Christ. You are directly connected to Christ who is like a choir conductor who draws out the music in everyone like a tapestry of art that intertwines in harmony to reveal the full stature of divine inspiration, which is Christ in you. The great conductor of music, God, will draw your life into the full volume of the harmony of the ages. If it is true that you were included in Christ's death, and you were, then the religious systems of this world, with its rules and regulations, no longer apply to you. What further relevance would there be for you to continue to live under the influence of mankind's doctrine and ideas? Things like, don't associate with this one, don't taste that, don't touch this, don't even touch this with your finger, don't drink that. He says, these instructions are of no permanent value in any case, since they refer to things that perish after they're consumed. They have no lasting impact in your life. So don't let man-made menus cause you to major on minors. Jesus said, it's not what goes into your mouth that matters, but what comes out of your heart. And in the last verse, verse 23 of Colossians 2, religion, tradition, the world's doctrine system of darkness appear to be very devout. And his followers seem so humble and so holy in their strict observance of the rules that seek to control the body's behavior. The only problem with this is that it's never permanently satisfied. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose very breath and blood flow through us. He's the head and we're the body. We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. So then, if with Christ you put all that pretentious and infantile religion and doctrines behind you, why do you let yourself be influenced by it or bullied by it? Don't taste this, don't touch that, don't go near this. Do you think that things here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? Such things sound impressive if said in a deep enough voice, They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and ascetic. You see what he's saying there, don't you? All of these man-made doctrines, the world's doctrinal system of darkness that we've been taught in religious settings that sound so good like you were born in sin. Everybody was born in sin. There is a hell and God's going to torture people there eternally. All of those things that are said very soberly and sometimes very angrily in church, Are not real They're lies They're opposite To the truth Of the good news Of the grace of God Which I went over for you As we started this message today So Here's what I want you to know In addition to celebrating the really good news In addition to absolutely knowing That the doctrine of original sin And the doctrine of hell and eternal conscious torment didn't even come into mankind's being until 400 years after Jesus. In addition to knowing that good news, I want you to know, as Paul wrote to Timothy here, when we share this good news with people who have been indoctrinated into the world's doctrinal system of darkness, where I was for like 64 years, many of you have been, When we share that with our friends and our relatives who have been indoctrinated into that darkness, many of them, in fact, most of them are not going to be receptive. So, what do we do? Be smart. Love them. Hang out with them. Don't even talk to God about them. Don't try to convince them. We know the truth that eventually, one day, whether it's in this life or the next, they're going to see the truth. And everything's going to be good. Everything's already good with them, and God, they just don't know it. So I almost want to use the phrase "Don't waste your time with." Me. It's actually not wasted, but it is wasted if we continue to try to, to argue with them. Instead, celebrate the good news for yourself and spend what time and energy you have in helping people who have no religious background who've given up on church, who've given up, they think, on God, who knew many years ago that the stuff they were taught in church was crap, which means Christian rules and procedures, C-R-A-P. Many people, way more people than are religious, gave up on that stuff a long time ago because they knew it wasn't true. They just didn't know what the truth was. They just knew that that wasn't true. So, boy, what I'm finding these days is people who are really receptive to the truth about God, people who get excited when you tell them about it, people who go, wow, that's really good news. I knew God couldn't be like they told me at church. There are many people like that out there. Hang out with them. Spend your time with them. Be friends with them. Don't quote Bible verses to them. Don't beat them over the head. Don't ask them to go to church. Don't tell them to get a Bible. Tell them the good news that God is love and God loves them and his grace has covered everything and they've always been right with God and they always will be. And they can enjoy life a whole lot better now, maybe than they have been before when they know that. Hope this is good news for you guys. It is for me and I'm celebrating. So thank you guys for being here. Thanks for being with me on another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I'll see you all next time. Love you all.